James Ross with the Holiday Brew Tell 2. And we're going to go back to New York City. We've just been speaking to uh, Jackie Ivanko before the news about her musical career and her new songs that are out. And we're going to go back to New York City now and speak to our correspondent, Tracy Kwan. Uh, good evening, Tracy. Good morning. Good morning. How's it going, James? Uh, nice to have you on. It's going well here. It's uh, hot and sweaty uh, in Hong Kong, as it is often at this time of the year. 30 degrees, 76% humidity. Uh, how's the weather in uh, in uh, New York tonight, uh, Tracy? Well, we just experienced a flood, you know, flash floods for yeah. one and a half days. And so we're having that lovely kind of quiet after the storm and so what we find now is, by the way, this storm was caused in part by the floods were caused mm. in part by a tropical storm called Ophelia, which mm. moved uncharacteristically moved west instead of moving west to east and collided with something else. And that's what caused. Well, we can empathise with that, uh, Tracy, because, of course, we had a typhoon and uh, uh, associated uh, rain two or three weeks ago in Hong Kong. Uh, we had our black rain uh, floods and uh, it caused quite a lot of uh, trouble here in Hong Kong. So I'm sure it's the same in, in New York, right? Well, not not the same, because honestly, I felt a little humbled, you know, thinking about your floods. Uh, those were much more catastrophic. So I wouldn't want to insult anyone who lived through that by suggesting that ours was near near that level, because what we had basically, it felt terrible while it was happening. And then it was over. And now what we have is a lot of political fallout from mm. it. So I, I think that the damage from your flooding is probably more serious. I suppose that, you know, the, the, the one thing is, is that cities of any kind, whether it's Hong Kong or New York, you know, only have capacity in their in their sewers and drainage systems to deal with a certain amount of rain. And when a huge amount gets dumped on either a city or other city, it uh, just overwhelms it. And I suspect that's what also happened in, in New York City, right? Yeah, so ours is set up for 1.75 inches of rain per hour, and we were getting two inches per hour. Uh, and, you know, in addition, there was a problem because our mayor had been out all night at a fundraising party. And actually, he knew the night before that something was going on, but he was just too distracted to deal with it properly. So, between the infrastructure, you know, the design of the drains or whatever, and just the personal stuff, the stuff that human beings do in the course of a night, uh, yeah, it was a catastrophe. And we didn't get ample warning. Now, um, another thing that cities need to start doing, and maybe they're already doing that in Hong Kong, but we need to do it here, is the day before the flood occurs when we know that flooding is about to happen the public uh, sort of the, the public administrators need to tell new yorkers uh to minimize your use of washing machines and dishwashers and all the running water and just keep it to a minimum uh, i'm not saying that we need police officers going around enforcing that but we do need to encourage people and educate them so that People will just, you know, stop using the dishwasher for 48 hours. You can do that. Um, and some people won't pay any attention, but enough people will. 
to sort of help the process because part of what happens during these um, heavy rain cycles is that people are flooding the system with their own, you know, indoor water use. Right. So that's not helping is what you're saying, really, is, uh, you know, stop stop your, your own water going into the system and maybe the rain will have a chance. Yeah, yeah, it's actually more than not helping, it's harming it. And we do need, though, to upgrade our system. Now, the mayor uh, didn't handle his criticism, the criticisms well. Uh, in fact, we had a situation where the governor of New York State, who, you know, you and I have talked about her, Kathy Hochul. So um, we, mm. she came out of this looking much more businesslike and impressive and, and, and professional than the mayor. And, you know, I think that his reactions could be his un to this could be part of his undoing in the next primary. He handles environmental issues poorly. You know, he there was a smog incident that went on forever in June because of forest fires coming from Quebec. Mm. And he mishandled that. And whenever he's criticized about something like this, He's very defensive. So this time he was quite rude. He said anybody who, uh, you know, got caught by surprise must be living under a rock. Ooh. <laughs> that's, you know, that's really insensitive. There are people sure. living in this city who, who don't have access to Wi-Fi or whose electricity was turned off the other day because they're poor and they don't, you know, anything could have happened to cause them to kind of lose contact with the news. There are people who don't speak the primary languages of either English or Spanish who it takes, it's harder for them to get the news. So, you know, this is, and this is in line with his recent demonization of immigrants. He recently gave like a three minute speech, which is long for a speech, you know, about attacking the presence of, of new immigrants in New York on the Upper West Side. He did that. So he's just been goofing up all over. And he could learn something from his predecessor, uh, Bill de Blasio. You know, every mayor gets caught by like weather catastrophes. And Bill mm. de Blasio had his share of goof ups. But when this would happen, Bill would say, oh, I, I understand why you're all very upset and I'm going to try to do better. I mean, it's easy to be a bit more empathetic, isn't it, than, uh, you know, and, and try to understand the problems that people have rather than just criticize it. You know, and that's how you save face by being a little humble. Hmm. But for some reason, this, bla this, this braggart doesn't get it. And instead of modeling himself or, he, or just list, thinking about how did de Blasio manage to be a two-term mayor, instead of thinking about that, because I think he has a kind of funny relationship in his mind, it's kind of Oedipal <laughs> with de Blasio, he wants to kind of outdo him. But instead, he's modeling himself on Giuliani and uh, Bloomberg. Now, Bloomberg is not an appropriate model for Eric Adams. He might be a model for someone else, but not for Adams. And Giuliani's not a good mayoral model for anybody. So, I mean, he's just, they're, they're both the wrong person for him to be following. <laughs> right. And, yeah. Well, just, and as you say, yes, empathy. Mm, empathy. Well, just before we turn away from the floods, uh, you know, one story caught my eye. Um, Sally the sea lion escaped from Central Park Zoo during the flooding. Uh, this is quite an interesting story. Uh, you know, she's quite she's quite a character, is uh, Sally the sea lion, apparently. 
Yes, I, she didn't really escape from the zoo, just from her her pen, thank goodness, because uh, I don't know how she would have fared out on the sidewalks. Although, you know, part of the escape was due to the fact that there was no longer a distinction between the wet zone and the other zone, right? Um, but I took a look at her, and she really is a magnificent-looking creature. She's definitely one of God's more handsome beings uh i feel you know she's she, she was looking sleek and shiny and black and i thought you know there are many of us who spend hours and large amounts of money you know aspiring to look like this and she was just she's the consummate new yorker she looked fabulous just kind of standing <laughs> tall on this rock <laughs> uh, the funny tracy now uh, your, your goal is to look like sally the sea lion <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, you know, on good days, I do. You know, just put on a lot of black. <laughs> All right. Well, let's turn to another story, one which is, you know, sometimes from afar, perhaps uh, internationally, uh, we roll our eyes a little bit. Um, you know, another almost government shutdown in the U.S. And uh, that's what we've just seen this past weekend. It has been averted. But uh, again, Tracy, again, what do you think about this? Well, it's very interesting because it's only it's a new problem in the history of the United States. And it began in, I think, Gerald Ford's administration in the mid 70s. Uh, prior to that, the idea of holding civil servants hostage in this way, you know, people wouldn't have done that. That there was, you know, I'm sorry to sound like a fogey, but yes, people had some sense of decency. But first of all, it's a situation where the people causing the shutdown will continue to draw salary, these Congress members, and the junior staffers, their own junior staff, and um, entry-level civil servants and all these sorts, you know, regular people who rely on their salary to buy groceries, they would not get paid. And they may still be expected to show up at work. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. And, you know, the, the cynicism of that, kind of uh, politics. It's quite brutal. You know, it's based on something, you know, I don't know, Nietzsche comes to mind, you know, it's so uh, it's so kind of hardcore. Mm. Um, And I think it's, it's a kind of gaslighting of the public and a normalization of chaos, which is troubling, you know, is there is there any way out of it? Uh, well, that's a good question, and I'm sorry, but I don't have a yes/no answer to that. I hope so, because look, people in other countries. I just I am aware of the fact that people in other countries, uh, other you know Western democratic countries, you know that have you know a civil service, or even some countries that aren't so Western and aren't so democratic, they would still uh, think that imagine that they could take for granted that the civil service will continue to function. You know, this kind of childish uh, manipulation and, uh, you know, I, I don't even want to call the chess game because that's an insult to chess, you know. But this sort of childish game playing would be unthinkable in some places. Um, right next door in Canada, I don't think that this would be considered, you know, acceptable behavior. And yet, you know, the, these are countries that consider us to be 
the ally. And, and that's something to wonder about. I just want to say in the history of these shutdowns, the last shutdown was in 2019. That was an interesting one. It was, of course, during Trump. And it had a radicalizing effect in labor organizing circles. And it caused the um, the the ascent of Sarah Nelson, who is the leader of the flight attendants union, she started calling for a general strike because it was going on for 35 days and nothing was working. And because of Sarah Nelson's uh, proclamations and, you know, high profile, the air traffic controllers uh, walked out. And when that happened, that was a real shutdown. Then the then suddenly everything went back into action and the president or whoever found a solution and and the shutdown was over. So that was very interesting. That was a turning point for, you know, organized labor. Yeah, I mean, who knew that uh, flight attendants uh, could have such impact? And I guess, you know, Tracy, you know, we're hearing quite a lot about industrial strife at the moment, the UAW and the uh, the big uh, motor strike at the moment. And, you know, Biden's been on the picket line. We've been hearing uh, over the weekend and Trump's been down there as well. Are we entering a new era in the US of, of this sort of industrial action? I think so. I, I would like to think so. And it does seem that way. And I do think it's notable that one of the leaders of this is, you know, is a woman, you know, so it's not, it used to be that blue collar politics was seen as something kind of macho. But now we're seeing, you know, a changed view of who flight attendants are and what it means to do that kind of work. And also, let's not forget that, yes, the auto workers are on strike, but the airlines are, you know, airplanes and airlines are very important to the U.S. economy, maybe in ways that automobiles used to be, you know. Well, we'll watch with interest what happens there and uh, we'll also watch with interest the politics and see whether uh, Kevin McCarthy uh, survives uh, as Republican Speaker. It seems like some of the hardline Republicans want to push him out, but uh, it's going to be uh, an interesting uh, few weeks, I should imagine, in politics. So Tracy Kwan is our New York correspondent. Tracy, thanks very much for joining us as ever. (laughs) 